Hey everyone, welcome back to the Good Cast. Today's episode is episode 30, and it's called Your Body Says What? <laughs> oh, this is a thought I've been having for a while, and um, I'm excited to share this all with you. It's going to be a fun conversation. So, well, let's get stuck into it. Hey friends, you're listening to The Good Cast. The Good Cast is recorded on Kabi Kabi Country on the Sunshine Coast here in Queensland. I want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land. They have cared for our country in such a sustainable and beautiful way for thousands of years. I want to acknowledge their heritage. I want to acknowledge the elders who have gone before us, who are present here today, and the young people who are emerging as elders of tomorrow. If you'd like to stay in touch with The Good Cast, with our show, feel free to follow us along the journey on Instagram at The Good Cast Podcast, or you can also reach out to us on our email at thegoodcastpodcast at gmail.com, and also all the show notes and episodes we've posted at danielgeddes.com. Cheers. Glad you're here. So firstly, I'm not sure if you are aware, but I'm a surfer. I haven't always been a surfer. I moved down to California from Canada, and I'll never forget the first time I paddled out. I paddled out. I struggled to get out the back, and um, when I did get out the back, I just endeavored to stand up and um, fell off and that whole mix of things, and eventually stood up, became quickly addicted to surfing I absolutely love surfing but when I first started surfing I wasn't really I wasn't really aware of how important it was to be connected to my body and my body being aware of my body being connected to the board I just kind of did the best you could do you know you stand up and you, you hope for the best but as I as I was surfing for longer I really became aware of this. I became aware of how important it was for my body to be connected to the surfboard and to feel and sense the movements of your surf, of your feet on the wax and on the board as you're moving through the water. And just a few weeks ago, I went down to Melbourne and I'm from Queensland. So the weather here is, um, the water here is much warmer than the water in Victoria. And I paddled out at Bell's. And the moment my feet hit the water, I was so cold. I wasn't wearing booties and my feet got so cold. And, and I remember I went to stand up on the surfboard and it, it was almost like this pain, like my feet were beginning to get numb. <laughs> I'm not used to this water. And so, but what I noticed was how I couldn't sense, I couldn't sense my movements on the wax. I couldn't sense my movements on the surfboard. I couldn't feel the surfboard properly. Um, with my feet and this affected my surfing this affected my surfing a lot i felt like i couldn't really surf that well at all and you know parallel my journey in surfing i've gone on a journey where i've discovered how important it is to listen to my body see listening to and feeling what's going on in the body is is essential to surfing Listening to the body is vital to living well. Listening to the body is vital if we're to do any physical activity or really anything at all. It's, it's an essential fundamental pathway of survival. But I guess then I want to ask this question, how come 
listening to our body, being aware of our body, seeking out the wisdom found within our body isn't vital in our spiritual life. Why isn't this a vital part of our spiritual formation? How come this isn't a part of Christianity 101? I guess I so often found it to be the opposite. It seemed to me that I was specifically, list- I was specifically instructed to not listen to my body and that my body and my intuitions couldn't be trusted. Prior to my formation in spiritual direction, listening to my body in an intentional way was a completely foreign concept to me. And I kind of want to break this down to help you understand how foreign it was. The only time I found myself listening to my body was when I felt sick or when I felt some sort of ache or pain. And, And that was a pretty obvious thing. Like you have to pay attention to your body when you're feeling like that. But listening at a subconscious or a conscious level, sorry, a conscious level was something that I never did intentionally. And I guess I undervalued, I, maybe I undervalued the voice of my body. I didn't even consider my, my body to have a voice. I thought really it just performed functions for me that I deemed most important. And, and the thing that I actually valued the most was my mind, my brain, the, the intellectual engagements, my thoughts. Um, I valued those far more than any movements that I would notice or feel within my body. So why is listening to our bodies not really something that we often do? I think there's a truth. I think there's, there's kind of two reasons. I think philosophy has a role to play in this, the philosophy that's been accepted by the Western world, and also interpreting scripture also plays a role in this. A philosopher by the name of Reynard Descartes, he, he kind of really solidified this idea of mind-body dualism, that the mind is completely distinct from the body. The two can actually exist separate from one another, um, so much so. And I think I adopted this distinction, but I didn't just adopt the distinction of the mind being separate from the body. I adopted the distinction that the mind is elevated higher than the body. Um, has a more, I consider the voice of the mind to be far more powerful. And to listen to the body seemed to be a completely absurd thought to me. And I don't mean by listening to my body, I feel sore, I should stop running. I mean, feeling movements and tensions and noticing tightness when things are going on around me and being aware of that and paying attention to that and attuning to what is actually happening in my body. I thought that was reserved for like crazy people and, you know, people who are trying to manipulate others or or manipulative practitioners. So I not only undervalued the the role of listening to my body, I was pretty much suspicious of it altogether. And I felt that this too, so I'm saying, you know, it's philosophy kind of has a role to play in this, but I also feel that theology has a role to play in this. I don't know about you, but I kind of, I was adopted into or was formed in a theological understanding that placed an extremely high view on soteriology. That is the salvation of humanity, right? The salvation of people. And in that, there's, a, there's an understanding or a prioritization around the right understanding of salvation. And so certainty and a rightness is valued very high. And so then you have theological understandings and, and mental frameworks, and the, the rightness is so valued that it felt like the mind and the thoughts were more valuable than sensing or movements, anything to do with the body. And so... Then you have also coupled with that this this value on salvation, 
um, you have coupled with that interpretations of scripture. And so there was a there was a passage that I was I guess exposed to um, and taught early in my formation formative years, and it's the passage of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah seventeen nine, it says. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can trust it? It's devious. It's wicked. Who can trust it? Pretty much saying you can't trust your heart. You can't trust this. And, and this statement, I feel, has been adopted and universally applied within some Christian theology that you can't trust yourself. You can't trust the heart. It's deceitfully wicked. It's always going to try and trick you. And that's kind of has been in the back of my mind. But the funny thing is, like, this is a prophetic writing. And Prophets didn't usually pipe up when things were going incredible in society. Prophets usually in the Old Testament, and prophets in the Old Testament weren't people who were usually telling you that you were going to get a Lamborghini or you were going to get a great job or, you know, something in the future was coming to you individually. They would speak to a collective reality that was going on within a community, and they would use incredible linguistic tools to paint out what that reality looks like. And prophets would pipe up when shit had literally hit the fan in community. They would pipe up when things went horribly wrong, when there were incredible injustices happening in communities. You'd have these prophets popping up and speaking to the the injustice, speaking to the wrong that was happening within communities and pulling people back to the way of human flourishing, the plan that God had for communities. And so prophets would use tools to do this, much like an artist. Like, I love how art can help us see something that words can't actually articulate. They can help us notice and become aware of something that's wrong in society or wrong in culture that that words oftentimes can't do. So prophets would would do this would try to do the same thing, but they would try to use words to do it. So they would use hyperbolic language. They would exaggerate things to make a point. The language they used would be intense. They would paint very intense metaphors to help people understand how they'd gone off track. So is Jeremiah, do I think Jeremiah is setting up a systematic statement of all humanity? I don't. I don't think that. I don't think Jeremiah is saying, Daniel, don't trust yourself because you're always going to try and deceive yourself. I, I think that, that that's, and, but that's what I believed. And it, it set up such a strange call, like dissonance between myself and, and anyhow, Paul gets into this too. And, and the New Testament kind of gets into this as well. And I feel like I kind of adopted or the interpretation of the New Testament that I accepted, um, I must back this belief up. So the New Testament comes in, and Paul writes things saying, those who are in the flesh can't please God. Flesh, body, okay? This is, this is linking up here. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. So to set the mind on the body is death. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Um, then Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So you're hearing this like kind of fleshly thing is against the spirit. You're, you're kind of hearing this polemic going on or this, this two ways of living. Romans 8.13, for if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the spirit you put to deeds the, the deeds of the body, put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. Upon plain reading these texts, you can have a pretty underwhelming view or a pretty low view of body listening. These texts seem to set up that you should do the absolute opposite. They, they seem to say that it's going to be deceitful. 
listening to your body is going to be deceitful. It's going to lead you towards destruction. Therefore, you shouldn't pay attention to it. You should die to it completely, and so forth. So the Greek translation of, you know, flesh actually is socks. <laughs> I heard some pastors say, you know, you shouldn't listen to your, you shouldn't listen to the flesh. We shouldn't listen to the body. It sucks. It sucks. So don't listen to the flesh because it sucks. It's going to lead you astray. And literally, they would change the word socks or link the word socks into sucks, the derogatory language for that's a bummer. <laughs> I just, I just accepted this. And I, I really undervalued the voice in my body because of it. So what is happening here? What might be happening here? Strong's does say that, you know, the, the Greek word is sax, and which means the body, the body of a man or woman are born in a natural generation. It acknowledges this also could be speaking to human nature. It could be speaking to an element in humanity. Um, it could be speaking to a culture. It could be, it could be, bigger and more expensive than Daniel, do not listen to your body. Your body is deceitfully wicked and you cannot trust it. And the spirit and your body are completely disaligned. And if you listen to the spirit, you cannot listen to the body. That, that like distinction, um, I don't, I don't see it lining up with the incarnation. I don't see it lining up with the God becoming human flesh and blood and validating the flesh and blood of our lived experience or our lived existence. So as I reflect on this, I can see how it was easy for me to accept that I shouldn't listen to my body, that I should just be like, nah, can't listen to my body, my body's bad, nah, can't do that. But being in this spiritual formation program, the invitation that I was given here to listen and pay attention to my body went against kind of everything that I believed was good. And it landed me in this place where I was like, well, what do, what do I do? But I guess my defenses started to crack and weaken as I experienced how my colleagues would describe their body movements and the things that they would describe as they listened to their body. Initially, it's, I was dubious, um, but as I continued to be exposed to this and witness it and witness the power and the wisdom they were receiving and they were leaning into as they listened to their bodies, I then began to be more curious and go, hey, well, maybe my body has a voice. Like, what might my body be endeavoring to reveal to me? I found it pretty natural to observe body language, but it was the internal that I really struggled with. Um, and this was something that I guess I needed to grow in. But I needed to firstly suspend the notion that my body was trying to always deceive me or it had a lesser sense of wisdom and suspend that to invite the notion that perhaps my body was revealing, could reveal wisdom to me. And it wasn't until a session that I had uh, with a supervisor that I really paid attention to my body for the very first time in an intentional, conscious way um, that surprised me. So I was having this conversation with my supervisor and in this conversation, somehow it came up that I was noticing a tightness in my neck and I'd been having a lot of headaches and this tightness in my neck really hit me as I was describing something to my supervisor about a tension and a, a literal tightness that I was experiencing in my life. And my supervisor said to me, 
you know, what might your, what might the tightness in your neck or the, the headaches and the tensions that you are experiencing, what might it be actually revealing to you? And it wasn't until that time that I was like, oh my goodness, my body is actually telling me about this tension and this tightness that I'm physically experiencing in my life. But I wasn't even aware of it until I saw it in my body first. It was, it was crazy. And it was such a confronting reality that my body was giving me some signals that, hey, things aren't right for you right now. And I, was, I wasn't even aware of that until I paid attention to the voice within me. And this was fascinating. And then, you know, it started to, I, I began to be more curious about this and, and grow in the awareness of, of my body. And another thing happened a few, like a little, a little while later where someone asked me to do something. And the moment they asked me to do it, I just felt this like, ugh, within my body. I can't put words to it, but I felt like something didn't sit right. The moment they asked me to do it, the thing they asked me to do wasn't bad. It was a good thing, but I didn't feel right about it within me. And I noticed that and I was like, huh, there, there it is again. And, 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 and I decided not to do it. And, and retrospectively looking back, that was such a good decision. And I was like, oh my goodness, like this is epic. My body holds wisdom. And I, I suspended this belief that no, my body's bad. I, it's deceitful. It's always trying to trick me, always trying to destroy me, always trying to lead me astray. Like, no, like I really let that go and welcome this idea that what if my body actually holds wisdom? And what if when I'm discerning things, I can listen to the wisdom of my body? And this was, this was super cool. It was super weird, but super cool. And I guess, um, I mean, I'm having this conversation with you because I'm encouraging you to think about, hey, be curious about the wisdom that you might have within your body. But this was kind of the tip of the iceberg because then I was like, okay, if, if there's wisdom that my body holds, what if there's wisdom within my body as I engage with scripture? You know, oftentimes when we engage with scripture, if you, you've, been, you've been to the classic Bible study and people get out their Bibles and they go, okay, what do people think about this? That's a pretty valid question. You know, what do you think about this? What, do you, what, do you, what comes up for you as you think about this? Um, that's a valid question. I don't know how often you've heard, what are you noticing in your body as you read these passages? What do you notice? What's coming up for you? What, what movements are you feeling within you as you hear these passages? And I guess I, I then kind of ask this question, well, what would an embodied reading of scripture look like? And <laughs> if I ask a question, I want to kind of explore it. And so I got some people together and some colleagues that I was studying with, and um, I read these two different passages out. And I'm going to read them to you right now. And so I guess I guess encourage you, if you are driving, maybe just pause this podcast and come back to it later, because um, I really want you to come into an awareness, come into a space with me where you are you are connected at a conscious level where you are allowing the words that you're about to hear to really get to you. So I know when you're listening to it on the road, you're, you've got a lot of things going on. I guess that's where it's like, okay, let's just pause this and maybe come back to it later. But if you're ready, then let's continue. So bring your, it's kind of like bring your attention to the words that I'm about to say. And why I'm saying that is I really want you to pay attention to what you're noticing within you. And you know what? You might not notice anything within you. And that's okay. I didn't, uh, this took a, a while for me to develop an awareness and attunement to what was going on within myself. 
But bear with me here because this is kind of the, the scenario that I, I painted and um, I guess did with some colleagues that I was studying with. Because I was curious about what movements we had within our body as we heard these two different passages of Scripture. So the first passage is this. Kind of an experiment. All right. Take a deep breath. All right. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. First Samuel 15, verse 2 to 3. Pay attention to what was going on within you as you heard those words. What did you notice? Take a deep breath in. Deep breath out. And now let's hear from another passage, the words of Jesus in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I don't know what you noticed as we did that little experiment, but when the people that I did that experiment with, they noticed intense movements within their body when I read the first reading. And as I read out the second reading from the book of Matthew, there were also really strong movements within their body, but they were, those movements were in opposition to one another. They were opposing forces. This got me wondering, what would it look like if embodied scripture was included in our Christian formation, rather than focusing on the mind and what we think about things. And I'm not saying we completely suspend that. I'm saying, what if we bring a bit of balance? What if we elevate the voice of the body to, to be curious about what might be coming up for us from within us as we engage with Scripture? Like I said, God becoming man, the incarnation this ought to heighten the value we have of the body. And I actually believe that Paul had a high view of the body. I think we have twisted and misinterpreted. Like, I guess we've come to, we've come to that, those passages with a very, I guess, modernist understanding of flesh and mind-body dualism and these things. But Jesus and the reality of the incarnation, I see Jesus placing a high view on the human body. And the experiences that we have, they can only happen to us through the vehicle of our body. That is the beauty of the incarnation. 
Jesus comes to us not through an ethereal, like an ethereal state or a spirit state. Jesus comes to us, and the power and the flesh and the blood of Jesus is what reveals to us the common, the the union of God and man. It also reveals to us and connects us to God in such an incredible way, but it also elevates the power and the voice and the experience of the body. Because the gospel is the blood, the death, the, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the life. There's the, there's the living reality of Jesus. And we have that through an embodied God. So what does it look like us, look like for us to live our lives out in an embodied way, embodied Christianity, embodied spirituality? What does an embodied reading of scripture look like? What does it mean? to pay attention to our bodies as we are the dwelling place of God. I mean, (laughs) if that's not the ultimate heightening and valuing of the body, the body, the God, dwells within us, the dwelling place of God. So perhaps we need to pay attention to that. So I guess I'm just adding this to, and you might be like, oh, it's common sense. Of course, I listen to my body all the time. Well, I didn't. And um, so maybe this is helpful for you in, in encouraging you to be curious about how your body might reveal wisdom to you. And I guess I want to finish with one more thought. Oftentimes we come into, into churches or different spaces and we listen to other people's experiences of God. And we listen to other people's prayers or someone else's words, interpretations and feelings and movements. And I guess I really want to encourage us to depth the senses and the movements within us and attune ourselves to that rather than, I guess, just other people's experiences all the time. Um, Yeah, that's just another kind of curious thought that I'm throwing in the mix. But hey, this has been fun. Thanks for hanging out. Gone a little bit, a little bit longer, 25 minutes or something. But um, I really appreciated it. Thanks for listening along. And may we go out and may we listen to God our Father and God our Mother and God within in a really embodied and tangible and beautiful way. And may we not just value the things that are happening in our mind, but also value the movements that we're feeling in our body and listen to the wisdom that is within us as we lead our lives, and may we contribute to the, to the flourishing of this created world. And may God our Father and God our Mother, God our parents, bless you and keep you. See you later.